right, go ahead and get your Bibles. If you brought your Bibles with you tonight, we're going to look at uh, our new t- lessons. We're doing a series on the portraits of grace. Portraits of grace and... Okay, this is one of those nights. <laughs> that's not the right outline. <laughs> He's got it mixed up with something else. But that's okay, no problem. Uh, we're going to go back to the welcome, because I'm glad you're here. <laughs> okay, I'll just have to be very careful. If you're following along your outline, I will make sure I get all the points, okay? And hit all the points so you can fill them in, but uh, no problem. We'll, that's just a minor issue for today. Amen. But we are talking about Hannah, all right, Hannah. So turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And, you know, I could see how it could get mixed up. My lessons are entitled Portraits of Grace. There's also a lesson series called Grace, A Pace for the Grace, so uh, it's pretty close so it's an easy mistake to make so it's no big deal but uh, we're talking about grace so uh, we're talking about Hannah tonight so first Samuel chapter 1 and uh, let's read verse 11 all right we're going to go through a few more verses than that but this is kind of the the verse that kind of sums up the whole story of the life of Hannah and what we want to look at tonight it says here and she vowed a vow and said O Lord of hosts If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of my handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. So that was her prayer, okay? Hannah's prayer uh, to the Lord. In this study tonight, we see God's grace at work in a woman's heart who surrendered her desire for a child. So surrender. She's going to surrender her will to do God's will. You know, have you ever heard someone say this, something like this? They met their Waterloo. You ever heard that before? They met their Waterloo. Not that, usually that's a statement that kind of is based on a famous battle in Europe, uh, I guess nearly 200 years ago. Okay, maybe more, uh, where Napoleon was, uh, you know, he, had, he was fighting uh, a kind of a coalition of European nations. And on June 18th, he, uh, the sides gathered together in this little town called Waterloo, or nearby this Waterloo in Belgium, and he lost. He was defeated, defi- definitely decisively defeated. And so when someone says they've met their Waterloo, it's come to mean that they've met an an insurmountable problem and suffer an irreversible defeat. So that's a great defeat in someone's life. It's a surrender uh, of, of some type. Let me ask you this question. Has there been a time when you had to humble yourself and surrender your will to the Lord's will? That's a surrender, isn't it? Uh, If you've gone through that, where you've had a desire and you wanted to do something, 
but it came apparent to you in some fashion that it was not God's will. And you had to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to look and I'm going to try and go forward to do my will, or am I going to do God's will? And sometimes that's a difficult decision. Hannah surrendered was not an irreversible defeat. Now, as you think about surrender, it wasn't a defeat for her, but it was actually a victory in her life. Because when we surrender to do God's will, it's always a victory for us. Because God knows best. And therefore, it was also a victory for the nation of Israel and for her family. And so when we follow God's will, we surrender to do what he wants us to do. It's a victory. It's not like a defeat uh, that some people go through. So tonight, we have three steps Hannah made to experience God's grace and surrender. Number one, we see Hannah's difficulty. All right, right in the word difficulty there. Hannah's difficulty. And we see in verses one to eight uh, that I'm just going to read. You can read that while I'm kind of paraphrasing and, and giving the story. Every year, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, would take his family to Shiloh. And there they would worship the Lord. And be, there they would uh, have this time as a family and they would uh, just worship God. But you would think a time like that for a family would be a good time, wouldn't it? That'd be a uh, and a very enjoyable time, but it wasn't for her. Why? Well, the problem was is Elkanah had two wives. And uh, so that was a problem. There was some tension, can we say, in the home there because of two wives. Because, you know, even though God did not, uh, you know, he didn't really condone that, obviously, uh, right from the Garden of Eden, he said a man and a woman should leave their parents and come together and be one flesh and make their own home. It was very clear it was to be one man and one wife. But during the time of the judges, there was a, there was a little problem. The problem was, as it says in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so this idea of polygamy came on the scene and what was happening was is that the children of Israel because they were not obeying the word of God they were becoming more like the Gentiles around them they were behaving more like them than what they and then obeying the word of God and so it caused these problems and it caused some strife in this home I don't know if you ever heard of Mark Twain Mark Twain was a was an author back in the day he was arguing with a mormon one time and they were arguing should a man have more than one wife is it okay to have more than one wife and the mormon asked mark twain he says well what does the bible where in the bible does it say a man cannot have more than one wife and mark twain said yeah the bible says a man cannot serve two masters you know, Hannah found herself in one of those polygamous relationships and it brought some tension and it brought some problems in her home. And 
not only was it the, the relationship in the home, but it was another problem. Another problem was is that she was barren. She could not have children. So letter A, right in the word barren, she was barren. Uh, notice it says in verse 2, it says at the end of, the, of that verse, but Hannah had no children. And uh, so you can even go down to verse 5. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut her womb. So she was barren. And it wasn't any fault of hers. It was actually the Lord that shut her womb. It was something that God did. Now, why would God do that? Well, uh, the Bible says, it uh, doesn't say a lot about it, but what we do know from the outcome, and as we now know the rest of the story, God had a purpose. God needed a leader for Israel. They need, he needed somebody that would come because the nation was in dire straits. Because there, there needed a leader to bridge the gap between the time of the judges and the monarchy when the kings would come on the scene. And there needed to be a strong, godly leader to bring Israel to that place. And God needed Samuel. And God was working behind the scenes to the point of shutting her womb and preparing the way for this leader to come on. And so we see that uh, this was actually God working, this barrenness that she was suffering. Let her be, she was belittled. You can write in the word belittled there. Notice what it says here in, uh, in, verse, in verse 4. It says here, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. What was the problem? The problem was there was this rivalry in this home, which... Uh, we see a little bit of favoritism. And you know, what's going to ruin a home? What's going to bring more tension to a home than favoritism? And Elkanah shows favoritism to Hannah, giving her a larger portion at this, this meal during this time of worship. And because of that, it just brings contention and strife. And Peninnah, the other wife, uh, she just uh, is now going to, uh, cause trouble and she is going to become an adversary to Hannah because of course she's feeling <laughs> you know she's got all these feelings and hurt that she feels about all this you know the Bible says that Hannah was provoked by her adversary and most likely it was Peninnah but you know uh, this caused Hannah to fret Okay, and the Bible actually uses that word in verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So now we got a woman who's worried, anxiety. And maybe she's thinking, what is she thinking? I don't know, the Bible doesn't say. But you know, I can just imagine if I was in her shoes uh, thinking, Hey, if I can't bear children, is my husband, he's showing favoritism to now, but what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? 
How are things going to pan out? What's going to, how are things going to work out? And so she has this worry. She's worrying about these circumstances. And she's uh, really going through a hard time. There was a woman who had diabetes. And she ate too much sugar one day to the point where she was worried. She was fretting that she had eaten too much sugar. And she called a nurse. And she told the nurse what was happening. And the nurse asked her, she says, well, are you lightheaded? And she said, no, I'm a brunette. Let's don't worry. We got to learn to get to that place in our life when we don't worry. We got to trust the Lord. And we need that. Uh, we got to get to that place. And that's where, you know, this is where Hannah needs to get to that place. Regardless of the circumstances, she's got to learn to trust God. And, you know, it's easy to look at our circumstances and say, well, I'm going through this, I'm having a hard time, and therefore, uh, that's why I can't do whatever. That's why I can't do what God wants me to do, or I can't, uh, you know, be the, the right type of person I need to be. And sometimes worry and fretting, anxiety, takes the way of the, the joy that God wants us to have in our life regardless of the circumstances we're facing. And that's where we gotta learn to trust him. We gotta learn to know that God's working his will in our life and we just need to surrender to do that. But that's not easy, is it? That is hard sometimes when we have to do that. And it's not easy. And I, I know that uh, I don't mean to belittle that or make it sound easy. It's not easy. If you've experienced that, it's hard. But you know, God is always good, and he's always there for us every step of the way. And that leads us to point number two, Hannah's dedication. Her dedication, uh, we see point number two, and this is in verses 9 to 28, because now she's, uh, she's, she's worried, she's fretting, she's at this place in her life. You might say she's at the crossroads. She's at this crossroads in her life, because you know what? Just like Hannah, all of us, when we come to a crossroad, one way or another, trials have an effect on us, don't they? Let's be honest. Trials have an effect. And trials can make you bitter. Or they can make you better. Now, that's up to us, isn't it? That's our decision. How am I going to take this trial? Is it going to make me bitter? Am I going to allow this to make me a bitter person, a bitter Christian, or am I going to be a better Christian? And that's where we see Hannah. She's at that crossroad in her life. And, she's, 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 and how does she face it? Well, notice it says here in verse 9, it says this, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten at Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post, of the temple of the Lord. And as she and she was in bitterness of soul. So she's she's upset. Alright? She's very upset. In bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. What did she do? She did what we need to do. When we are finding ourselves in that type of situation, we need to go to the Lord in prayer. That's how she decided to face those trials, to go to the Lord in prayer. And you know, we got to give her a lot of credit. 
I think, we, I think Hannah deserves a lot of credit for how she did that. And, you know, she could have gone to Elkanah and complained. She could have gone to the priest and complained. But she, she didn't. She went to the Lord and took her problem to the Lord. And we see her prayer, her prayer. And we read that in verse 11. She made a vow. She said, Lord, if you will give me a man-child, I will give him back to serve you. Meaning this, and we know from the text, when she made that statement, there shall no razor come upon his head, she, she was saying, I'm going to give my son to the Lord, and he will become a Nazarite, a lifetime Nazarite a servant of the Lord. That was her vow that she had made. And she promised to give him. So that was her prayer. She asked God to open her womb. Now, a lot of times when we go to prayer, I don't know about you, but I know what the Bible says about answered prayer. The Bible says if you're going to pray and you want God to answer that prayer, then it needs to be according to God's will. <laughs> if I ask something that's not according to God's will, then what's the likelihood of that prayer getting answered in a fashion that I'm expecting? Very slim. Very slim. But here Hannah is asking for a son, and when we pray, it's, it's always good to know that our prayers are according to what the Bible says, according to God's will. You know why that's important? Because when I know that I'm a praying for something according to God's will, I'm going to persevere. Right? I'm going to persevere. You say, well, I don't get an answer in a day, or I don't get an answer in a month, or I don't get an answer in a year. If I know it's according to God's will, I'm going to persevere. So it's not a matter of God, you know, it's a matter of timing, isn't it? Waiting on God's timing. And that helps when we know we're asking and we're praying according to God's will. We are able to persevere. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he says, men... When we pray, we need to persevere. Persevere in our prayer. So she prayed to the Lord for a son. And then we see her promise. So letter A, her prayer. Letter B, her promise. It was during that prayer that she promised to give her son back to the Lord. You know, uh, you know what something else is important when we pray? Our motives our motives, our hearts. And, you know, I have, to, I have to ask myself sometimes, is this a selfish prayer? <laughs> is this a prayer that is just based on what I want? Because, you know, sometimes what I want may not be good for somebody else. Say, well, I want this. Well, hey, that may, what I want may not be the best for my family. What I want may not be best for my fellow brother and sister in Christ. So 
I have to ask myself, am I, is this a selfish prayer? Or am I praying uh, because I have the right motive? Or my motives? And, you, and we can't tell other people's motives. I can't look at anybody and question anyone's motives unless it's very obvious something they do. But God can. God knows the motives. God knows our hearts. We cannot hide that from him. And from this story, when I think about her praying, and she's praying for a son, I have to ask myself, is she making a bargain with God? Is this kind of like this bargaining that goes on sometimes? God, if you give me this, then I will do this. God knows the difference. He knows that. So I don't think she's making a bargain with the Lord. I think she's praying a selfless prayer. I think she's praying a prayer with the right motives. And God recognizes that. And God sees that. And she sees that. And God answers that prayer. Because we know that God gave her a son. God answered that prayer. And God gave her a son. And the Bible said she named him Samuel. The name Samuel means God has heard. God has heard. What a blessing to have answered prayer. You know, when God answers your prayer, doesn't that just confirm the fact that God hears you pray? God heard her prayer. He saw that the motives were right. He saw that her heart was right. And he answered that prayer for her. Let her see. We see her performance. Her performance. What did she do? Well, she kept her word. She kept her word. When that baby was born, she nursed it, the Bible says. And when that child was around four years old, the Bible says here that they brought that child to the tabernacle. Not only that, but they brought an offering to the Lord. An offering to give on behalf of what God had done for them. And it wasn't a, a small offering. It was an expensive offering. The Bible says they brought three bullocks, three cows, <laughs> very expensive, and, a, and a, an ephah of flour and, a, and some wine uh, to offer to, because they were so grateful for what God had done and following the law of Moses. And they brought this, uh, this offering of love and devotion that they had for their Lord. And they brought Samuel to the temple to fulfill that vow that he was going to serve the Lord for his life. And then it leads us to point number three tonight. Point number three, we see Hannah's delight. Her delight, we see in chapter two. Of course, uh, <clears throat> Hannah, when all these things took place and brought her child to the, and fulfilled her word and brought Samuel to the tabernacle to serve, uh, she, she began to praise the Lord in what we call a song. Now, it's not like a song like we think about today uh, with music, but we see this song in chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, uh, the song that she gave. And why? I think she recognized that God was working in her life, and it was God's grace. God's grace. All of these things coming about. The, the ability to have a child, 
the ability to give them back to the Lord, uh, God was working in her life. And she was so thankful for God's grace. In letter A, we see God's grace in deliverance. God's grace in deliverance. We notice here, Hannah says uh, in verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Let's go back to that adversary, right? That adversary uh, who was provoking her and causing her to have such worry and so much anxiety. All that conflict that she was going through now with God giving her a child and fulfilling her word and her vow, now she was delivered, all right? She was delivered from all of that stress, from all of that worry, from all of that provoking and contention in that home that she had to deal with. Now she was free. That's what she's saying there. The idea of the horn is this, the power of God delivered her from all that she was experiencing. What a blessing to know that she experienced that great deliverance in her life. And you know, isn't that true in our own life? Our God is still delivering people. He's delivered us when we were saved from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin. We've been delivered. And what a blessing that is to know that God's still delivering people today. All around the world, people are getting saved. People are trusting Christ because of the grace of God. The gospel continues on. And not only that, but even as believers, walking by faith every day, we're experiencing deliverances, aren't we? Hopefully you are. In one way or another, God's working in your life and he's, he's supplying your need. He's answering your prayers. He's allowing you to serve and giving you the strength to go on day by day. Folks, that's the grace of God. And a lot of times, we take those little things for granted. Let's don't do that. Let's praise Him. And let's remember what He's doing. God is working miracles every day. God's working in our life all the time. But sometimes we get like Hannah. And we've missed those things because we get focused on one thing, one trial, one circumstance, one difficulty. And, you know, I, I'm human too. I do the same thing. So I'm not here saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm probably the worst of anyone when it comes to worry and fret. Let's don't, let's don't let those things take away the joy of our salvation. Let's be thankful because God has delivered us and he's delivering all the time. And then let her be, we see she also, God's grace in strength. God's grace in strength. You know, Anna learned that her greatest adversary was probably most likely herself. You find that sometimes? Your greatest adversary we think it's that next door neighbor, or we think it's that guy we're working with, or we think that it's uh, some 
family member or somebody else. But a lot of times when we really boil it down and get right down to where it really counts, our biggest adversary is ourselves. We're the, we're, you know, when it comes to relationships, I've learned this. I can't change anybody. I can't change one person. There's only one person I can change, and that's right here, myself. That, and so if anything's going to get better, if anything's going to be improve, guess who has to change? I do. <laughs> and that's where we have to go to the Lord, and we've got to trust Him and say, Lord, where do I need to change? What do I have to, maybe I have to look at this situation a little bit differently. Just like Hannah. Hannah had to look at her situation and say, Lord, what can I do? Well, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back. If you give me a son, I'll give him back. I'm sure that must have been hard. I'm sure that wasn't easy. But she had, to, she had to rethink, didn't she? She had to rethink her whole idea of self-worth and family and say, you know what? If I have to live without a child, I guess I can do it. If, I can, if, I, if that's the what you want, you know, it's easy for us, isn't it? Because we know the whole story. We can say, yeah, Hannah, go ahead, go ahead, Give up your, you know, give them back to the Lord because we know God opened up her womb and she had more children. But she didn't know that. She didn't know that when she gave her son back to the Lord. As far as she knew, that was it. And so she took a step of faith. That must have took some strength. That must have took some faith that regardless of how things were work out, was going to work out, God was going to supply her need. And she didn't have to find fulfillment. In children, she found fulfillment in the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to do that, don't we? We've got to find fulfillment in God. Not in something else, because we can't control things around us. We can't even control people around us <laughs> we got to learn to find that satisfaction and fulfillment in the Lord the, the Lord must be our joy he must be our sufficiency in our life and I and it seems like Hannah just found that and then we see God's grace in service number three or letter C God's grace in service Hannah's service to the Lord was that she lent her son to the Lord. She was faithful. She kept her word. And not only her, but Elkanah did too. We have to give some credit to Elkanah. He allowed her to do that. He could have stopped that vow. There was an option. There was a clause uh, that the husband could stop the vow if he felt it wasn't right. But he went ahead and allowed her to continue on. 
And so they fulfilled their vow to the Lord. And every year, the Bible says, we didn't read it, but you know the story. Every year when she would come back, the family would come back and visit the tabernacle once a year. She always had a coat for him. Signifying, you know what? It wasn't just giving him to the Lord and just that's it. No, she, she, every year she supplied. She served the Lord. And she served it by taking care of her son and supplying that need that he had. And God continued to use her uh, because God gave her more children. In conclusion tonight, the Lord took what was difficult in Hannah's life and turned it into a delight. Ever experienced that in your life? Where God took a difficulty in your life and he brought it and he made it a delight. That's exciting. I mean, that's when you know God is real. That's when you know God's working. Those are great times when God does it. Now, going through the difficulty isn't easy. We don't like those times. But when God brings the delight, the joy, that's always exciting. You know, sometimes we just need to be aware of pride. Don't let pride keep you from experiencing the joy in your life. Remember we talked about Napoleon, the Battle of Waterloo. Uh, this is uh, recorded in history. The morning of the battle, before it got started, someone came to Napoleon and said, you know, Napoleon, you might want to get some help. You might want to bring in some reinforcements. And because of his pride, this is what he said. The English are bad troops, and this affair is nothing more than eating breakfast. He was full of pride. He really did not have an appreciation for the enemy because he didn't know the whole story. He thought he was just fighting the English, Duke of Wellington, and a few of the Dutch, of the little bit of the Dutch army that was there. What he didn't know is that the Duke of Wellington had asked the Prussians to come in and help. <laughs> and they were on their way over. He didn't realize that. He didn't know the force he was facing. So because of his pride, uh, he did not ask for help when he could have had it. And when the battle was lost, the help was too late. It could not do that. What do we learn from the story of Hannah? God desires to relieve our anxiety through prayer and faith. Let's don't be so proud that we can't go to the Lord in prayer with our problems. Let's, go do, let's fall on our knees and by faith let's trust him. God is trustworthy of our complete surrender. When we surrender to the Lord, we have a victory. Let's remember that. And then God answers prayer. God answers prayer of the people, of his people.